Well, I've had three chemo doses and a CAT scan, and today I talked to the doctor, and everything is uh, fine. I mean, it's, it's not gone, but the medicine is doing what it's supposed to be doing. My, uh, my uh, uh, kidneys and my pancreas and my uh, lung, everything else is working fine. So we're going to keep on doing what we're doing for, for at least three months, for at least three months. Thank you, Edna, and thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I, I certainly don't fight with doctors. Uh, I go to them when I need to. The Lord is the one who gave them the, the ability to do what they're doing. But I sure do like it when he shows that they're wrong. Hallelujah. I like it when they say it's not going to happen that way. And when the Lord makes it happen that way, then we say, well, maybe, doctor, there's another great physician better than you. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so you're, you're just, well, those of me have come in a little late that uh, Marty is ill, um, and therefore you've got me. Now, I, uh, as, you, as you know, most all of my, even my sermons that I do on Sunday are a series, but uh, it's difficult for me to find a subject that I can just complete in, in one setting. Uh, it, it takes more than one setting for me usually to fill. So we're probably not going to get finished with this tonight, and we're not going to complete it next week because Ms. Marty will be back. But um, you, 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 you know that we're living in a world where deception is all around. Matter of fact, it's really difficult to find something that's really true, whether it's in the news, whether it's in friendship, whether it's in associations, it's difficult to find something that proves out to be solid and true that there's no deception in it. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And as also, as you know, I, I like to look into the, the meaning because, you know, in American, our language, probably English is the only one that does that, there's very little meaning or depth to the words. But in almost every other language, there is depth to the words. There's more meaning than just what you hear. And that's particularly in Hebrew and Greek. So according to Strong's Dictionaries, which is probably one of the best, I go back and forth between Strong's and, and uh, Fair, but Strong's is probably the best known. And this is the definition that he gives for deception, to lead astray, cause to wander, seduce. I thought that was interesting, to seduce. And then wander. So that's what deceptions does to us. It makes us begin to wiggle a little bit on our truth. Have you ever thought of something that was the absolute truth? And you were convinced that there was absolute 100% true? And then something that you read or something that you find out, and you find out that, hmm, Maybe that's really not what I thought it was. Does anybody else run across that? Well, I think we all put, well, that is a deception, isn't it? Because we were thinking of one thing, we were sure of one thing, and then we found out that there really wasn't all there was to it. I got good news for you. If we will follow this, the Bible, and read it for what it says it reads, and prove it by Scripture, we have something that there is no deception in it. 
even though that there are individuals who will try to tell us that there are descriptions in the Scripture. I disagree with that completely and wholeheartedly. There are what may appear to be a, 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 a deception until you really get into it and you really study it and you really find out the full truth of it and then you find out, no, there wasn't, there wasn't a deception there. It was just a situation that the, the translators made a little error in the translation. How many has ever played that? I don't even know what it's called, but we used to play this game every once in a while. You get a bunch of people in a circle and one place a person will make a short statement, and it might be, your hair is green. And whisper that in the ears to everybody around and see what that says when it comes back to you. It certainly will not be, your hair is green. It will be altogether different than that. So that's why we have to watch for deceptions. Here's what Paul talked about in the aspect of deceptions. Deception is what we are calling our spiritual warfare. I'm sure you all know, if you've been a Christian very long, that we are in a spiritual war. And it's a spiritual war every day that you get up. You might as well get used to it. You might as well get ready for it. But you can also use the Word of God to win any battle that Satan brings your way. I thank God for that. I don't ever have to worry about I'm going to lose this battle because I'm not going to lose the battle because everything I believe and everything I stand for is going to be based on God's Word. And when it's based on God's Word, I don't have to worry about it. Hallelujah, because it's going to come true. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, Paul said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in Yahweh, or God, to pulling down the strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Yahweh, or God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If they aren't carnal, then there isn't any deception in them. Where does deception come from? It came from Satan, and it began with Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, when Satan finds something that works, he isn't going to change. Deception worked then, and deception has worked all the way up to where you and I are today. We have to be cautious of deception, that we don't follow that deception and head down the wrong trail. Uh, it, it, it's an it's issue today that is probably more prevalent than any, any other time because there are so many... I, I don't want to come against the, the media. I don't want to come against the, the great things that, uh, that we're having now, but there's, there's a lot of things that is in the air with. A lot of things is on the Internet that isn't 100% true. There's a lot of preachers on television, and I'll go one step further, and I don't mean this is negative about anybody, but there's also a lot of preachers behind pulpits that aren't 100% using God's Word. So you, those who aren't using God's Word, anyone who isn't using God's Word, me included, if I'm not using God's Word, I am in deception, and I'm leading you astray, that's what deception means. I'm leading you astray because we're going away from God's word. 
God's word is the only thing that we can declare once and for all and forever. It is true, it is pure, and it's for you and me. So Paul said we need to recognize that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're shaking your fist at them or something else, that's a little bit carnal, isn't it? That That's not a whole lot of spiritual warfare for that if you're shaking your fist or something else and, you know, you're you're really getting on them because they cut you off. Well, they didn't make you have a wreck, so, you know, okay, let them, if they're that big a hurry, go for it. Get, go ahead and get in front of me. I'm not in that big of a hurry. But you see, those are situations that we try to deal with in our natural realm. You can't fight Satan, friend, in your natural realm. Satan is a spirit just like God is a spirit. The only difference is he is a false spirit. He is the antichrist spirit. He is totally against God and has been even before the world was formed because God kicked him out of his position in the heavenly realms before the world was formed. So when God created Adam and Eve, Satan understood that that was the creation of God, and he set out to deceive them against God, against the creator, against the one who made them, against the one who put them in this beautiful garden. You and I live in a beautiful garden. Oh, there's some bad things with America, yes. There's some bad things in Fresno. There's some bad things in California. But I've been in some other countries. And some of the other countries I've been in, man, they, they make even the worst part of Fresno look good. It, 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 it's, it's not all that bad where we live. We live in a garden that God has placed us in. And in the concept of that, we need to recognize that it's his blessing that he's giving us. And our warfare then, if it isn't carnal, what is it for? He said for pulling down strongholds. A stronghold, according to Thayer's, is a castle, a fortress, anything on which one relies, arguments and reasoning which fortify one's opinion. When you're in an argument, what are you trying to do? Get your opinion across. You're trying to make sure that they understand where you're from. You may plug up your ears from what they're saying, but you want them to open their ears to hear what you are saying. So that is what we needing to do is by the spiritual realm is to pull down the strongholds. Now, there's all kinds of strongholds around us, brothers and sisters. Now, I don't want to open a big can of worms here, but in the city that you and I live in, there is a very strong demonic spirit and a very strong demonic presence in our area. There are witchcrafts, there are witches, there's warlocks, there are all of the spiritual demons right here in our county. So we don't have to go very far to find them. Matter of fact, if you look for them, you'll, you'll see them. A lot of people walk by them, and, and, and they're so deceived that they can't see the truth that there is demonic things taking place. This is what we have to watch out for. Our spiritual warfare is not for holding things down, but it's for pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. That's exactly what Yeshua did while he was here. That was his job. That's what he was teaching the disciples. That's what he taught Paul, to learn how to pull down the strongholds and bring them down. Because once the stronghold is broken, then it isn't long until you've won the victory. But as long as you haven't pulled down that stronghold, that guy's going to raise his head again. 
And as long as he keeps raising his head, we have to be, I don't know what they call it, but probably some of you have gone to some of the, the amusement parks, and I think it's a little gopher or something that sticks his head up on you, what, try to whack his head and knock his head down, and you, what is it called? A mole. Okay, wrap the mole. Well, you know, we've got to do that the devil. Every time he props his head up, we need to whack him on the head. Get him back down there where he belongs and not let him come up to where you and I are. Deception will hurt us. Deception will draw us away from the real truth of what God is saying. The Bible is true, and this is something that we've got to get our minds on. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm amazed sometimes of how many people, in, and I don't mean this in, in making any kind of judgment here tonight. I don't mean that at all, but I, I'm amazed at how many people think that they can win a battle with the, with the devil and win, win with him if you don't read the Word, if, if you don't consistently pray, if you don't consistently keep an attitude with the Word, Lord, you, you won't whip Satan. That's exactly what Yeshua did. He set the example for us. He pulled himself away from his disciples, more cases than one, to be along with his father because there was a battle coming up. Let's look at the last battle in Yeshua's life. When he went with his disciples to the garden, on the eve that he was betrayed, on the eve that he was lied about, on the eve his judgment started, what did he do? He took his disciples with him, and he asked them to stay here and pray. And he went a little farther and prayed to his father three times. Father, is there any other way? Now, this is paraphrasing. Is there any other way that we can get this done rather than me have to go through what I'm going to have to go through with? He had to have a commune with his father to not fall in deception that he can say, we can do this some other way. We can do this another way, and I don't have to die. No, he came to this earth to die for your sins and my sins. He came to this world to die for our healing. He came to this world to take care of every need that you and I have. That is what he came for. He bought us back. He, he, he renewed the contract, if you will, that he had with Adam and Eve, but he gave us a much better one. Hallelujah. So the deception is what we have to be cautious of. Now, I'm not going to get in a, in, a, in a big, heavy debate here tonight, but there's a lot of religious groups, for lack of a better word, that if you follow them, you are going to wind up in deception because they are not founded on the Word of God. My Bible tells me that all truth in religion, all truth in gospel is based on the 12 disciples because they are the foundation of our growth. They are the foundation that we have. And if you're not based on what the disciples taught, which Yeshua taught, which the Holy Spirit taught, the early church, which we still hold today, then we're going to fall into deception. And that isn't what God's plan is. So we need to make sure then that we have our stronghold. What may be your stronghold? I don't know. Maybe your stronghold is watching too much TV. Uh, maybe your stronghold is wanting to gossip a little bit. Uh, maybe your stronghold is uh, wanting to do something that you know you're not supposed to do, but you're going to hope you don't get taught and you're going to do it anyway. Uh, so that might be your stronghold. There's, there's probably thousands of strongholds. 
But the word didn't tell us that Yeshua was going to pull those strongholds down. He said that we will pull down our strongholds. Isn't that what he said? Our weapons are not carnal, but for the pulling down of strongholds. So if you're having a problem in your religious life, in your Christian life, and you recognize that that is a stronghold, then get a hold of the Holy Spirit. Get involved in the Word of God and find the truth and stick with that, and I guarantee you, you will pull down that stronghold and you will overcome it. Now, let me give you an example of that, what I'm trying to say. When I came to the Lord, I was an alcoholic and about a three-pack Marlboro smoker. Now, back then, that's been a long time ago, 72, long time ago. Back then in the Pentecostal ranks, if you drank or smoked, you're going to die and go to hell. That's just how it was. They preached it, and I didn't know any difference. I figured I'd been in hell because I've been an alcoholic, and that's pretty close to being in hell. So I wasn't about to go back. Hallelujah that God delivered me from alcohol instantly. Instantly. I never desired to have another drink after that. But me and the Marlboro man, we wrestled for a year before I finally beat that critter. And that's a tough cowboy. I'll tell you, he's a tough cowboy. Now, am I preaching that if you drink a drink now and then, if you smoke the smoke now and then, you're going to die and go to hell? No, I'm not. Because the Bible tells me it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out. And that was wrong for me. But I'm not telling you that it's wrong. Because that's not what the Word of the Lord said. Now, they told me that, and probably if I would have known the truth back then, I might still be puffing on Marlboro Man. But because I, they told me I'm going to die and go to hell if I did that, man, I didn't want to be there. I'd been there for five years already, and that was long enough. So you see, we need to watch deception. Deception can almost all be good. I was deceived. I was de- had fell into deception that I was going to die and go to hell. Fear wrapped a hold of me for me and the Marlboro Man. Well, I'm glad I know the difference now. So I won't put anybody in hell for smoking a cigarette or having an occasional drink. Don't ask me to do it because I won't. It's wrong for me. But deception will pull us down. Well, thank God I was able to learn the truth, and the truth does what? Makes you free. Hallelujah. Okay, let's look at what Isaiah said regarding deception and regarding uh, our our weapons and and regarding all the things that's taking place. Isaiah 54, verse 16 and 17. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah said, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fires, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I created the spoiler to destroy. Verse 17. This is where it gets good. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many weapons can come against us or prosper? None of them. Now, God gave the the blacksmith the ability and the knowledge to make the weapons, and God put it even in the heart of the individual which is going to destroy But here's the good thing. To you and I who are honest before God and stuck in his word, none of them will ever work against us. That's a promise from God, and if we'll stand on that, you won't fall in deception. But you have to know the weapons of the Lord, and you have to know that God is on 
your side. Because Satan is going to do everything he can to discourage you. He's going to do everything he can to deceive you so that you will think that weapon that the devil is going to use on you is going to take your life. It won't. Verse 17 again, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I like this too. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, he didn't say, I'm going to condemn them. He said, you shall condemn. How do we condemn words that are spoken against us? We prove they're not true by the life that we live. The fruit that we produce will prove the lies that Satan is trying to bring against us. The life we live will prove that the weapons that Satan is trying to use against us won't work. And if we can see in you, I can see in you that Satan's trying to do something to you, and I see you overcome that, doesn't that give me the, a little bit higher hopes? Hey, hallelujah, if they can do it, I can do it too. So we, have, we are overcoming deception. So the truth of God, the power of God, the word of God brings us liberty from deception and brings us into the truths of God, which makes us free. We aren't free, brothers and sisters, when we're walking in doubt. We aren't free. The rest of this. And this is in the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Where does our righteousness come from? The Father. Hallelujah. Jesus said, be holy because I'm holy. Be righteous because I'm righteous. Yeah, I understand when we say, oh, you know, we try to be humble, and we try to establish that we're humble, and we say, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not righteous, I'm not holy. Yeah, you are. Are you perfect? No. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. Is people going to doubt you? Yes. Are people going to say things about you that aren't true? Yes. But do you think you're any better than Jesus? I don't think so. How many people told lies on Jesus? Matter of fact, they crucified him on lies, didn't they? They crucified him on falsehoods that he was deliberately trying and saying, I'm going to destroy this temple that took many years to build, and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. He was talking about this temple, and they were talking about a temple of stone. You see, we need to understand we are holy because the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father is in us right here. Now, here's another deception that I had to learn the hard way. I was told when I first got saved and was early in the church that when I got saved, Jesus came in. But later on down the line someplace, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, you can't separate the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, when I come in, my Father and I will come into you. Well, when the Father and the, and the Son comes in, Holy Ghost comes in too. Now, is there a is there a, a, a better or another um, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. There is a deeper group in the Holy Spirit. But is there not also a deeper uh, trial or a deeper life in Yeshua than when you first got saved? If you've been saved a few years, surely you're stronger in the Lord than when you first got saved. 
So you have grown in Jesus. So the more we understand of the Holy Spirit, the more he's there too. But it's a deception when people tell you that you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. Bible said that speaking in tongues is one of the evidence of the Holy Spirit. There's more of them. Hallelujah. And not all of them operate in different people. But they're still the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. They're in you. And because they're in you, you are holy. You are righteous. You are pure. Not in all the things that you do, but because Christ is in you. I make mistakes. And what do I do when I make a mistake? I don't wait till I get home at night. Holy Ghost lets me know when I mess up. Now, maybe, maybe you get away with more than I can. I, I, I can't get away with nothing. If, if I say something wrong, Holy Ghost lets me know right then. You blew it, boy. And I have to apologize to whoever, whatever it is, and ask God to forgive me on the spot. Not when I get home at night because I don't have any assurance I'm going to get home. Do you? So when we know this, this is part of the aspect of making us holy because we're following the truths of God rather than the deceptions of the devil. We don't want to follow the deceptions of the devil. So this is an heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Their righteousness is from me. Your righteousness, you are righteous, you are holy, you are saved, you are filled with the Spirit of God, and He lives within you, and He dwells within you. And that's where our righteousness comes from. Hallelujah. So don't let the devil try to tell you how bad you are. Don't listen to him when he tries to tell you that, you know, man, you, you, you blew it so bad, you ain't never going to get bright. No, 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 no. Remember one thing. Satan, uh-oh. Thank you, Lord, it didn't ring. It just bonged. <laughs> uh, when Satan tries to tell you what he's going to do to you, understand one thing. Satan is a liar and the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. So when Satan says, you are a bunch of nothing, nobody gives a rip about you, God don't care about you. Laugh, jump up and down, hoop and holler and say, hallelujah, I am loved. I am cared for because if I wasn't, the devil wouldn't tell me I was. Hallelujah. So he can't tell the truth. So when you're, you say somebody tells you, you're just an old hypocrite. Well, John Wayne's a hypocrite. What's the other guy's name? Um, Clint Eastwood's a hypocrite. Neither one of them has ever drew a six-gun and killed a whole bunch of people. Never beat up five guys out of a bar. That never happened. That's a hypocrite. They're playing a part. And yet people pay big bucks to go see them, and they make all kinds of money, but they're hypocrites. So a hypocrite is anything that you're proposing that you aren't. Here's a beautiful thing, brothers and sisters. If you're proposing and stating that you are a child of God, you're not a hypocrite. You have the genuine blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. You are pure because the blood of Jesus makes you pure. Hallelujah. So when he says you're a hypocrite, again, jump up and down, click your heels, say, hallelujah, I'm not. 
glory. I'm not because he said I was. That means I'm not because he can't tell the truth. If he says what you're doing going to send you to hell, we'll jump up and down and say, hallelujah, I'm not going to. Because if I was, he wouldn't tell me that, so I'm free. Hallelujah. He's a deceiver. And if we listen to him, he will deceive you. If we listen to him long enough, he will convince us that what he's saying is the truth. But the deception is what we need to understand that God is desiring for us not to do. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 15, and then 11 through 24, listen to what Jesus, and, and Yeshua, Jesus, answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed. Pay attention. Be careful. Be aware. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying that I am Christ, and they will deceive many. Then many false prophets will rise up and, de and deceive many. The for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive even if possible. Now, I like that was put in there, even the elect, because if we are elect in Christ, we cannot be deceived. That's what the word said. It is impossible to deceive if we are elect in Christ. What does elect mean? That we're sharp in the word, that we're sharp in prayer, and we have a good connection with our Father. Then we don't have to worry about it. Hallelujah. Take heed that no one deceives you. Now, I recognize that what I'm about to say is, is, a, is a, might be a hard thing. I don't want it to be a hard thing. But we do have to pay attention. We do have to know what's taking place. If you're watching a television preacher, radio, or whatever the case might be, and they're telling you, if you will send me $100, I will pray for you, and God will answer you. I'm going to suggest that you turn that off as soon as you can. Forget the channel and never turn it back on again. That is a false prophet. I can show you through the Scripture where somebody tried to buy, even the New Testament, buy what the apostles had. Oh, we're going to. We're going to buy it. Hey, I got money, man. You here? What is it going to take for me to do what you just did? And he said, hey, buddy, let me tell you something. You and your money is going to die, and you're going to be lost because you can't buy what I've got. Woo, hallelujah. So if they're trying to sell the gospel, get away. If they're, I, I say this about me. I've said it many years. Brother, brother Ralph, Pastor Ralph and Rosemary may even remember. I've said it all these years. You can follow me as long as I'm following the word. But the moment I get away from the word, drop me like a hot potato. Run the other direction. Because if I'm not giving you the word, if I'm not giving you the scripture, I will deceive you. I won't mean to. I won't do it on purpose. But if I don't know the word, I'll deceive you. So if they're preaching not the word, if they're proclaiming not the word, get away from them. I can think of five or six different people in my lifetime that said they were Jesus, and they wind up getting a whole bunch of people, and they usually wind up all dying. 
because they're not Jesus. There was one Jesus, Yeshua, and he died once and for all. So if anybody said, I'm Jesus, man, run. Don't walk, run. Get away from them. If they're trying to get you to do what uh, the Yeshua wants you to do, get away from them. If they aren't giving you the truth, get away. If I'm not giving the truth, get away. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's the same thing I say. Follow me as long as I'm giving you the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when I stop doing that, run. I will not deceive you on purpose, but if I'm not giving you the truth of God, you will be deceived because Satan will take something that I've said that meant to be one thing and twist it. So that's why you have to know those who labor among you. Hallelujah. Don't let anyone deceive you because these people are going to come and even they're going to come and deceive the very elect. Who is the elect? Those are the ones who's reading the word. Those are the ones who are constant in prayer. Those are the ones who are keen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. They will even deceive them if they aren't careful. Do you think David was a righteous man? Do, do you think David was a man that... Uh, just honored, honored God and did everything that he could to please God. But there was one time he deceived himself, didn't he? The Bible is clear on what happened to David. At the time that kings went to war, kings went to war. David sent the army out, but David stayed home. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be on the battlefield leading the soldiers, winning the war. He was confident in their men. Great. That's good to have confidence in your people. But he's supposed to have been there. And what happened when he wasn't there where he was supposed to be? In the cool of the evening, was up on top of his house, where in those days that was a normal process, looked across, and lo and behold, here is a neighbor's wife, taking a bath. Now, everybody says, oh, shame on her. She should have pulled the curtains. No, shame on David. David should not have been there. And when he looked, if he would have turned away and went downstairs, no sin would have ever happened. The eye will plant a seed in your mind, and if you hollow on that or stay on that, then you will sin. Matter of fact, you know, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, if it had to be a physical aspect for uh, adultery to take place. Well, Jesus came by and said, no, no, it's not just like that. If you lust after a woman or if you lust after a man, you have committed adultery with them in your heart, and you've already done it. So what he had to do is not meditate upon that. I, I'll, I'll be, I don't like going to town anytime. I just don't like shopping. I don't like going to town. I have to do it sometimes to help be with Rose because she wants to. But if, she, if she's going to send me to the store by myself, I am on a hunt. i got a list of three or four things I'm wanting. I'm going to go in that store. I'm going to get those three or four things and get out of there. Rose, she wants to walk down every aisle in the grocery store, and look on every shelf 
on the grocery store, and it takes five times as long to get our groceries than it does if I go by myself. Because when I go by myself, I got my list that she gave me, and I'm in there and out of there in a hurry. But I don't like going town in the summertime because it's hot here, and men and women go to town in less clothes than I go to bed in. <laughs> and, you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, how can, you can't very well go to town like this. But mentally, we need to do that. I have learned over the years, and I don't know where in the world we're going on this, but here we are. I, I, Rose helped me understand this. And, and guys, if you've been there, you, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. We have gone buying something, and so many times when it gets ready to pay for it, it's usually a young lady, but the young lady bends over to write everything down. And when she bends over, everything almost falls out. Now, this is what I do after the fact. I turn around. I do. I turn around. Because I'm as human as you are. I'm going to look if I keep facing it. I ain't going to look because I'm going to turn around. You see, this is where we get deceived. Because if, you, if the eye sees something, this is actually law. Did you know the eyes cannot trespass? If, 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 the, if the cop is walking by your car and looking through the window and sees any kind of illegal substance in there, you just got busted. Because all he can do is look through the window. That's not trespassing. He doesn't have to have a, a, a search warrant for that. He doesn't have to do anything. He looked through the window and the eyes can't trespass, so you're busted. So you and I can be busted if we let these eyes listen to the devil and be deceived that we can look a little bit and it'll be okay. No, because if you look a little bit this time, you look a little bit more the next time, and you'll look a little bit more the next time until pretty soon you're staring. Deception. Now, that goes for women too. Some men wear clothes to draw attention to, and you women can be just as deceived by that as, as anybody else. It's not what your eye sees. It's always what's really there. So just go from there. Anyway, Lord, help me from there. <clears throat> it's Matthew 7, 13, 16. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the great and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there be many that go by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. Beware of false prophets. You know how many times Jesus said that? Bunches of times. I, I, at one point, I didn't know how many times it was said. It's a lot. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. You will, how are you going to know them? You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Beware of false prophets. Again, we're going to come back to what the Scripture said. Know those who labor among you. 
Rosa and I have known Pastor Mel and Rosemary for, man, I don't know how many years, late 70s, 78, 79. And I will tell you, in all those years, I have never seen any false fruit coming out of their lives, period. We've worked very close together in churches. I worked for Pastor Rao when he had a, a, a carpet store. I worked for him. I was the employee. He was the boss. And I can tell you in that business as well, there was no false fruits coming from him. Now, I can tell you I've worked with a lot of other people, but I can't say that. Know the fruit that is coming from those who are around you. If they're not given good fruit, brother, you're going to wind up getting sick because you're going to be eating nasty fruit. Nasty fruit will make you sick. It'll make you visit the bathroom so many times you wish they'd have never created such a thing. It'll make you sick. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Just because, and again, I'm going to say, just because someone is ordained, pastor a church, big or small, does not mean that they're not to be scrutinized by the word of God. I am not afraid to be scrutinized by God's word. I might be afraid to be scrutinized by your word. I might be afraid to be scrutinized by what you think. But I'm not afraid of being scrutinized by God's word. Why? Because I do my best to pattern my life after Yeshua. I do my best to pattern my life after God's word. And I've done a lot of changing in these last 40-some years. I'm not near as hot-headed as I used to be. I don't fly off the handle. I don't judge people. I've even changed how I perform funerals. I used to pretty much in the, in the, in the aspect of preaching funeral, if I believed they were saved, I'm putting them in heaven. And if I didn't, I didn't let them go to heaven. But I've changed that out of one scripture. Acts said, God has created Jesus, Yeshua, to be the judge of the living and the dead. He didn't say Earl Hoffman. He said Jesus. How dare I think because of my judgment and how a person lives their life, they're going to make heaven or not. I can be deceiving you on that because I can be totally wrong. So I put everybody in God's hands to let the Holy Ghost take care of that. Hallelujah. That's his job, not mine. I've had people, what do you think about this? And brother and sister, what do you think about this? Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, that ain't my job. That's Holy Ghost's job. That's Jesus' job, not mine. I don't want to tell you what I think because I'll be honest with you, there's something I don't think very high of, but I don't need to let you know that. My dad told us a long time before he was ever a Christian, just because it's a truth doesn't mean that it needs to be told. Another thing he always said, if you can't say something good about a person, just keep your mouth shut. Wow, would the church be great if they lived by that? <clears throat> Lord, help me now. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, and we will close. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions 
and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Yeshua Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Wow. We know that Paul, as an apostle, and we know that Paul, in order to be apostle in those days, you had to see Christ. So Paul saw Christ on the road. Paul spent approximately three years in the wilderness with Yeshua alone. That's approximately the same amount of time the other disciples had. So Paul knew what he was talking about. Remember, Yeshua said to Cornelius, you go and tell him because I've already told him what he's going to have to suffer for my namesake. But he's going to do it because he's seen me. Paul said, urge you. Don't listen to those who cause divisions or offenses. Well, I'm, I'm here, so I, I might as well go ahead and finish it. They serve their own belly. There's a lot of, particularly church leaders, and I, I do believe that church leaders have to live to a higher standard than the, than the rest of the congregation. Uh, if you look at the list of the, that there is no list in the Bible that says what a, a pastor, a preacher, apostle, prophet lives by, but there is for deacons, and it's a pretty strict one. Well, if the deacons have to be pretty strict, don't you think that the preacher ought to be one just a little bit better? At least live to the same standard of the deacon. So if we live to that, then, then there's a lot of things that we have to rise above. But what Paul is saying here, they serve their own belly or everything they do is for their benefit rather than the benefit of the kingdom of God. We need to be cautious about who we're listening to, who our teachers are, who our, our preachers are. Are, are we, are, am I giving you, am I giving you the gospel, the true gospel? Or am I giving you something that's going to benefit me? If I'm giving you something that's going to benefit me and not the kingdom, then I'm only interested for my own purpose, my own desire, my own belly, and not the kingdom of God. There has been thousands, preachers too, but thousands of people wounded in the house of God because their leaders were more interested in their own self and their own desire than they are of the kingdom of God. And they are deceivers, and I'm going to know them by their fruit. They are pools of Satan to divide the kingdom of God, and everything I've talked about thus far tonight fits one of those individuals that are not interested and the best thing for the individuals. The only people that Jesus ever had any cruel or harsh word to speak about was the scribes and the Pharisees. You will not find him ever. I mean, some of them were pretty rough, weren't they? How about the woman at the well? How about the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? What, what did Jesus say? 
He didn't even condemn the woman at the well, and even though she wasn't even married, she was living with the man. He didn't condemn her about that. All he said to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, where are, those, who, where are they now that are accusing you? You see, the good old boy got let, got let go. Because, you know, if you get caught in the act, believe me, it takes two, right? You can't get caught in the act of adultery with just one person. But then where was the guy? The law said that they both are to be taken outside the, sto- the city walls and stoned to death. Both of them, not just her. But we're living in a good old boy society. The good old boy can get away with anything. Not so in the eyes of God. And not so in the eyes of God if the good old boy is the preacher, if the good old boy is the church leader, they still must stand to the same order as the word of God. Let's not get hooked up and be deceived. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's move into the directions of the Father. Get more involved in God's Word. If you're being deceived every time you're turning around, then I just, the only thing I can tell you to do is get your nose in God's Word and get your knees bent before the Lord. And when you bend your knees before the Lord and get your nose in God's Word and listen to Him and read, He will help you to know what is true and what isn't true. And when it's truth, and they're trying to tell you something else, get away. We just read the scripture said, don't have anything to do with them. Separate yourself from them. Oh, but we can't do that. We've got to get them saved. No. I read in my Bible, there's a guy in church, and they said, well, just let him go. Because he's, he put him out, let him, let him just be killed. Let him be done with, because he isn't willing to change. Then I read a little bit further where he did change and said, okay, bring him back in. You see, God is serious about his truth. He is serious about his truth. And Satan is serious about deception. He is serious about deception. And the worst deception that anyone can be is when we deceive ourselves. We choose to believe something that isn't true even when we know it's not true, but because we want to be a good old boy or walking right, good right, we're deceiving ourselves. If it doesn't line up with the Word, if it doesn't line up with the Spirit, get away from it. Father, in the mighty name of Yeshua, we honor you tonight. And Lord, help none of us to be here simply doing the things of the Lord and speaking the things of the Lord for our own desire, for our own belly, for our own benefit. Father, help us to recognize that everything Satan says is a lie and a deception. There is no truth in it. He is meant to lead us astray. His desire is to cause us to wonder. He's to seduce us to the things of the world. Help us to understand that, Father, and realize that you and you alone are truth. And anything beside you, Father, is a deception. In the name of the Lord, amen.